Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Miami Sports Podcast for the week leading up to NBA free agency. Clay Ferrero here, Dookie Lang there, and Will Manso in Pailhui. Uh I think he, he's in London first, and then next week he's going to Paris. I see London, I see France, I see Will Manso. Drinking a beer at a pub watching the England World Cup game. Uh, by the way, it, what an awesome experience. If you're over in Europe for a big-time soccer match, you got to do it. We were over there for Euro Cup a couple of years ago in Italy, and, and just walking by, Italy tied someone the first match that they weren't supposed to. It was a team that was much, much worse than they were. That place was like a library. People were so quiet, depressed. Did I just say that people are depressed in a library? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, probably not the best I don't, thing. To... I don't know what libraries you've been going to. I, I, I've gone to a few Broward County libraries with my daughter, and, and people seemed delighted and, and inquisitive. And many of them were very creepy, and I kept my daughter close to me. But otherwise, you know, I guess uh, the, the depressing libraries of Europe are where we begin. It, I, I have to congratulate you on taking over the derailing role. Yeah, that's uh, right. You, I thought you were sitting in for Will, but little did you know, by sleight of hand, you were sitting in for me. I'm sitting in for Will, sitting in for you, sitting in for me. Is I think everybody's what? head just exploded, <laughs> just like on draft night, because so much happened for the Miami Heat. Well, as I was saying, for weeks leading up to the NBA draft, this was going to be a crazy night as far as trade go and then nothing happened nice call dude <laughs> absolutely nothing happened and, and I think the reason why we all anticipated it wasn't just me although I was the one that was tooting the uh, the horn the loudest was I, I think we all figured that everybody was going to try to reshuffle the deck you had heard a lot of rumors about potential trades so the formula was there. It just didn't seem to quite happen. We got a lot to get into. We'll talk about draft night. Pat Riley said some really interesting things after the draft, some things that had Heat fans a little angry, some Heat fans on social media speaking out about that. And then we'll talk about the Heat's free agency plans, what they may or may not be, what the trade situations may be. A lot to get to. But first, we start with Vera Motors. Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years, Dookie Lang, for the best deal in South Florida, the best service. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium in Pembroke Pines. Pass it every day on my way to work. Nice cars out there, too. Beautiful. Nice people. So draft night, I was sitting there watching my phone, refreshing over and over and over again. I was expecting something big to happen. I think we all, because of the Kawhi Leonard situation, because of players that we had heard rumored in trades, there was a rumor that day, a report that Justice Winslow was being floated by the Heat in trade talks, something they denied later. We'll get into that in a minute. The real surprise to me was the lack of activity surrounding current players and potential stars in the league, given the situation that everybody is in right now. So why do you think that was? What was your big takeaway after it all went down as to why we didn't see much? LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. That's why. Because I think the dominoes will fall once LeBron makes decision 3.0, right? That That's going to dictate... A lot of what's going to happen. If LeBron says he's going to the Lakers, you're going to see people start moving to the Lakers. If LeBron says he's going to stay in Cleveland, all of a sudden a lot of people are going to start to go to Cleveland. So that decision has to happen. And then number two is, I thought this was very significant. People didn't talk about this a lot, but Greg Popovich got into a room with Kawhi Leonard. Is that relationship salvageable? Last week you said no. I still think Popovich is an unbelievable coach, and who knows what the circumstances are? Who knows what those conversations were like? Maybe, maybe it could be salvaged, or even if it can't be salvaged, the Spurs are not going to make a decision on someone else's terms. The Spurs are going to make a deal to get the value that they want in the way that they want it. And so I didn't think that the Spurs were going to be bullied into any kind of, oh, we got to get a quick draft pick. or you know, I, I don't think that's the case. And, you know, the other thing is maybe some of these teams aren't that high on some of the, the kids in the draft. I mean, I mean, if there's some amazing player who everybody must have, okay, you, you sell the franchise for it. But if you look at this draft and go, eh, then, then maybe you sit out. I mean, you talk about the Heat and you talk about Justice Winslow, the rumor out there, the Heat denied it. 
it maybe maybe there wasn't the player at in the mid 20s who the heat would be willing to give up justice for because the scouts thought nah that's that's just not worth it yeah i think in general you hit the nail on the head i think everybody is kind of waiting to see what lebron and Kawhi do i think that's really going to to dictate the the way the rest of this goes and what i find interesting is I, I, I'm I'm not as optimistic as you are that Popovich is going to be able to salvage this thing with Kawhi Leonard, especially given the report from Chris Haynes of ESPN that they were not in that room alone. There is a feeling that uh, Kawhi Leonard's uncle is really the, one of the driving forces here trying to, to get Kawhi Leonard out of San Antonio, or at least uh, there is a feeling that if Popovich had been able to get Kawhi Leonard in a room alone, that maybe the two of them could have worked it out. And the fact that they were not, and the fact that the Spurs right now are basically saying, all right, we'll take your trade offers. Uh, we're, we're not going to shut the door. And we're not shopping him around, but we're going to take the trade offers. I don't think that that is going to work. I don't think that they're going to they're gonna get back together. So I think that people are waiting on that. And I also think that if he ends up in L.A., which does not seem like it's going to happen this year, then I think that would lead LeBron there. If right. not, I, I think the whole thing kind of gets thrown into chaos. It's still a very good chance LeBron ends up there, but I don't think it's it's nearly the foregone conclusion that it would have been if a Paul George ends up going to L.A. Right now, the feeling is, as we record this on Sunday night, that he's going to stay in Oklahoma City for a one-plus-one deal. That could change. Uh, I don't think LeBron goes to L.A. alone. I don't think he goes out there, uh, uproots his life uh, to go out there and play with uh, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. See, but he and- doesn't. He he makes the first move, right? So everybody's going to follow him. So he may not go. He may be there alone for a minute, but it's not going to take him long for someone to say, "Hey, come on out here, come join us." So even if Paul George is pondering, like you said, a one-in-one deal, and maybe he's going to stay in Oklahoma City, if LeBron signs in L.A., picks up the phone and says. Hey, Paul, put down your pen, get on a flight, come to Hollywood, let's take down the Warriors. I think that could change the calculus. Everything starts with LeBron. The same way, in terms of the league, everything starts with Golden State. When it comes to player movement, everything starts with LeBron. You can't, I mean, you can't sign. If I make yourself a free agent, pretend you were good at basketball which maybe is not a huge stretch. I don't know. I, I've only played with you uh, once. Define good. Well, you're like 6'8". I, I am like I'm 6'4", uh, but six, when you include my vertical leap, I'm like 6'7". The first time I met you, and I, I don't think I'm the only person who had this experience, I think I was like, holy cow, you are a gigantic <laughs> person. Well, I, I think TV people... And I'm, I'm over six feet myself, and I was like, good, good, my goodness. So... I'm sure I had a point other than talking about your height. No, I but but you derailed yourself. You kind of took the yeah. Uh, the welcome role for to my, me. welcome to my brain. No, but I want to go back to what you're. So if it starts with LeBron, right? Where did LeBron happen to be this past weekend? And who did he happen to be hanging out with? His son. <laughs> and see, I think that's and a, that's and, and, and and listen. Okay, let's have fun. First of all. You and I did an excellent job on Saturday of stalking down LeBron. Uh, I got a call of a tip of where he was playing. We got a camera over there, and we knew he was watching his son. And so I'm waiting for the for our shows to find out. Okay, did we get the LeBron did video? Did we get the LeBron video? Hey, hey, don't don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the back like that. I, I, we, our healthcare may not wait, cover it, it that. Your better. shoulders can get thrown out. Yeah, I've almost reached my out of pocket max, so we're good. So, <laughs> so when we get the video, they tell they tell me, hey, it's not just LeBron. LeBron was sitting there with Udonis Haslam. And I said, ooh, that means nothing, but people will enjoy it. <laughs> because the truth of the matter, here, here's what people forget, right? This is the simplest thing that I, I think people just don't remember. Okay? Go, bear with me for a second. LeBron and Udonis are friends. <gasps> no! They played together for four years. They won two championships. They spent a very long time together. LeBron starts playing basketball in training camp around, what, late September, early October? And for the last decade, LeBron has had to play all the way through the finals at the end of May and early June. He doesn't have much time to hang out with his friends. He has a pretty busy schedule. So if LeBron's kid is playing in a tournament and LeBron wants to spend some time with his friend Udonis watching his kid play, I don't think that necessarily means anything 
about whether they discussed work or not. Okay. You and I are friends. Sometimes we hang out and we talk about work and other times we don't. And it's possible every time that I see you, I'm not recruiting you to sign an extension with local 10. Sometimes I'm just, we're talking about our daughters or we're talking about whatever the Yankees pitching staff might have been doing this weekend or a subject, not necessarily some sort of conspiracy. Sonny How, Gray is killing me, by the way. I mean, has there ever been a worse pitcher to get a personal catcher? Like, oh, you man, that's a great point. You don't deserve a personal catcher. You need a personal t- ticket to Trenton. But that's another story. Personal catcher. As opposed with, to with my group, With as, my as nine opposed, ERA, I have a personal catcher. As opposed to a group ticket to Trenton. Uh, yes, he should fly solo. He should fly alone and think about it. Y- your, your point is well taken. More Sunny Gray talk. Y- <laughs> that's what people are begging for in the people, Miami sports and podcast. For, listen, for people in Miami who don't know, Sonny Gray is a pitcher that the Yankees acquired from Oakland, and he stinks. And he was bad again this weekend, and every time he pitches, I get a call from my father saying, what the hell is wrong with Sonny Gray? And I get a text from Clay saying, what the hell is wrong with Sonny Gray? <laughs> so every time he pitches, he brings me and the ones who I'm close with together. So thank you, Sonny Gray. There was a friend of mine on, on Twitter who said uh, she posted a picture of her boyfriend next to Sonny Gray. She's a Yankee fan. And she said, uh, well, wow, now I know why, why I love him it, because he looks like a Yankee. I was like, well, I hope he pitches better yeah. <laughs> than Sonny Gray does. Uh, your point's well taken. Getting back on track here. Uh, right, your point ahead. is well taken about LeBron and UD being friends. Here are the things that I thought was were at least a little bit interesting about this whole thing. He was down here because the tournament is here. All right, so we're not we're not trying to blow this thing up. We're not. Yes, it's interesting. It's a great optic. It's it's good video. It's and I think people like seeing him back down here. I think there's a much better feeling here when he left than there was in Cleveland. So I I think that there are a lot of reasons why. It's still cool video to see. And it's also, I mean, I had a friend who I, I posted the video on social media and the friend's like, oh yeah, I saw him working out at my gym this morning. Mm-hmm. Like people are, it, I mean, he he is American sports star number one. And so where he is, is exciting. So yeah. all of that said, no, I don't think the fact that he's hanging out with Udonis Haslam means that they're strictly there hanging out talking about LeBron coming back to the Heat. Udonis Haslam doesn't even have a contract right, right now I, exactly. to come back and play for the Heat. So I, I don't even I, – I don't know how that conversation Could he have been recruiting him to China? That was actually one of my other thoughts, by the way, uh, that I thought would have like, been Like, hey, man, I've had enough of this NBA. I want to go play overseas. You want to come with me, LeBron? What I thought was interesting about this is that – if LeBron does not have someone join him in Los Angeles, and if lifestyle really does play a big part in his ultimate decision, Cleveland is not going to be good. LeBron likes to come out and hang out a lot in South Florida because the lifestyle is really, really good down here. Dan Lebetard said that LeBron's family never wanted to leave here in the first place. Yes, Los Angeles, really nice lifestyle out here, out there. They've got a house out there. But there is a comfort level down here, it, it appears, not just for LeBron, but with his family, to where, all right, let's just say that hypothetically he doesn't get Paul George to go out to L.A. with them. Because I, I don't believe for a second that LeBron makes his decision without knowing any of the ins and outs of what other people are going to do. I, I think there will be conversations had, whether it's through agents, whatever it happens to be. He'll have a pretty good idea of, are the Spurs going to cave and send Kawhi to L.A., which I don't see happening. Is Paul George going to change course and decide to sign with L.A., which I think would change things. But if it's just LeBron going out to a team right now that, yeah, there is young talent there, but I don't know that it necessarily fits the type of game that LeBron likes to have his teams uh, when he goes to play there. He likes to be surrounded with shooters, not necessarily a group of guys, a lot of drive guys. Um, uh, Brandon Ingram inside, I think he's growing into a really good player, but I think you need more players that fit LeBron out there. All that to say, all things being equal, I do think that Miami has an outside chance at this thing, a better chance than people are giving them credit for. Because I don't know if lifestyle is a big part of this thing and if his family is comfortable down here. He certainly has friends down here. I don't know where it would make a whole lot of sense to go to a Philadelphia, to go to a Boston, to go to an L.A. if he's not bringing anyone. None of those, to me, 
when you include lifestyle, when you include everything, makes a whole lot more sense than just coming down to Miami, hanging out with Dwayne Wade, Udonis Haslam, your buddies, and just enjoying the last few years of your career. I I know it's still a long shot and all that. I, I just think that People who are looking at this video and saying people are going to to one extreme or the other, right? I think most reasonable people are going to the extreme of, oh, well, that means nothing. They're just they're just buddies hanging out. Uh, Heat fans that are diehard and looking for something great are going to the other extreme. Oh, it definitely means he's coming here. What I think it shows and what I think it means is that he does have a genuine relationship and a genuine friendship with not just Dwayne Wade, but also Udonis Haslam. And if they wanted to just hang out down here and play ball and maybe talk about future business ventures, which we can talk about in a little bit, not a bad place to stay. Here's the thing about NBA lifestyle. They play 82 regular season games. They play 41 of them on the road. In the summer, they're hanging out in Miami Beach anyway. So if you're talking about where they're going to live, oh, it's terrible to live in Cleveland. Oh, it's terrible to live in, you know, a cold weather city. Or, or, or I think these guys are on the road so much. I think there's not really that stability. Now, for the families, obviously, there's a little bit more stability. You put your kid into a certain school. But, I mean, you're, you're talking about the most privileged of the most privileged of kids whose dads are making, like, and Le- when you're talking about LeBron, you're talking near B, we're talking near billions, right? With endorsements and when he's done with everything. And so his kids will be fine, whatever city they're in, whether it's cold outside or it's warm out, they're going to figure it out. I think LeBron is going to make, honestly, I don't know what ultimately will drive his decision. I think his post-basketball career, it's very clear the outline of, of what he wants to do. He wants to parlay his fame and he wants to parlay his team who has been with him since the beginning, which is very meaningful to him. I'm, not ta- I'm talking about his team off the court. I'm, right. talking, about, I'm talking about his people, who, who he's been with since high school, who he has helped elevate. I think he wants to elevate his team in Hollywood and, and in the entertainment field and producing. And he was good in the movie he was in. And I think that is where he is. And... Now, now there's a there's a rubric of it. There, there's a model. Kobe Bryant has shown the transition from successful basketball player to an Oscar winner in a year. Okay, if Kobe had played his entire career for the for the Detroit Pistons, do you think he'd have an Oscar right now? It's the connections that he made in Hollywood. I think that for LeBron, obviously he's a transcendent figure. He could probably meet anyone he wants, but I think putting down roots in Hollywood, given his ambitions, his ultimate ambitions, to me, seems more important than a year and a half of hanging out with Dwayne Wade and Udonis. Because remember, how many? best case, let's say Udonis and Dwayne Wade come back. How many years are those guys coming back? They're going to be done before he's done. So then he's down here, and then he's not with his buddies, and he's with you know the, the rest of Goran Dragic's contract. And I just think, you know... And you mentioned just, this just just the contract, not just, actually Goran right, Dragic. Not Goran Dragic, <laughs> just his contract. I mean, listen, you mentioned the Lakers, right? Which team? Because if you look at the team that LeBron just took to the finals, they were garbage. Are you going to tell me that the Lakers, if only LeBron goes, would not be as good or better than what he had in Cleveland? No. What what I'm saying though is, you're in the West. And right. you're going to have to deal more with Golden State, with Houston. I mean, with a team like uh, Portland, if they get their stuff together, it couldn't get out of the first round this year. But that's a talented team. Uh, you have other San Antonio, if they find a way to patch things up, uh, rising team like Utah. There's so many teams out there. I mean, I don't know. It, take LeBron off Cleveland real fast. And uh, it's Philadelphia and Boston and what in the East? So... Uh, it's not necessarily that that the Lakers won't be a better team with LeBron than than Cleveland is with LeBron. It's what you're facing to get to the finals. Uh, to your point about LA, though, Kobe was there his his entire professional career, and I, I don't know that LeBron going there for a year, a year and a half, two years, whatever whatever he happens to whatever amount of time he happens to spend there. Um, I don't know. It has the same sort of impact 
as far as relationship building with uh, the Hollywood movie makers, whatever it is. I, I just don't know. I think you can do whatever it is he wants to do from wherever he is. I'm going to give you an example. I read a really, really interesting article about Kevin Durant. Okay. Kevin Durant is turning into an unbelievably savvy business person. Why? Because he's out in Silicon Valley and he has a bunch of friends who are like tech billionaires who are advising him about how he can set up his post-basketball investments. So he's utilizing the space that he's in. He hasn't just gone to Golden State and won two championships. He's gone to Golden State and he's building, in the process of building, a business empire. Okay? LeBron, I mean... For most humans, I think you're right. Let's say he spends two or three years in L.A., not the same thing as Kobe, who spent 20 years. But LeBron is not most people. LeBron is LeBron is on another level. So I think if LeBron goes out to L.A., plays, I don't know, four years, wins even just one championship, I think the networking, I think the business opportunities, I think the possibilities, just being in that space to get into that world, I'm, doors are open for LeBron James. Okay. Uh, he's friends with Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, want, you know, he wants to talk money. He calls up Warren Buffett. He can go hang out with Warren Buffett. LeBron is on that level. Put him in Hollywood where he's surrounded by everybody. If that is your aspiration, that's where you go. It's like it's like that famous bank robber. They asked him why he robbed banks. He said, that's where the money is. You want to make you want to make. You want to make movies? You, you go to L.A. Let's put a bow on this thing. What you said that I think encapsulates this whole thing is LeBron is on another level. We're sitting here trying to figure out what he's going to do. All of the national media, all of his friends, all of the Cleveland media, everybody who has followed him. Some of them, like Brian Windhorst, who's followed him since he was, what, 13, 14, 15 years old. Everybody's trying to figure it out. Can you imagine no if you one- were a bust? Windhorse would have wasted so much. Like he he happened to hit on the right kid. But like imagine if LeBron were were insert name of person who never made it in the NBA and Windhorse is just following him around. Like when he was 14 years old. That kid's gonna be good. And then like he terrible. That would be a waste of a few years, huh? Speaking of a waste of a few years, Dookie Lang, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> of, of Duke education? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, that was me. No, it's fine. That I, was just I, call I think that often. Uh, uh, bottom line, he's on another level, and I, I think anybody trying to figure out what he's thinking, what he's going to do, it's futile. The Vegas odds to me are silly. I, I love Vegas in general, but people are taking the odds as though it's some sort of inside information. No, the odds are out there because they want money on all sides. There and are the, eight teams ahead of the Heat right now in Bavada. Yeah, I, I and and I don't. No, we 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 could spend a whole hour talking about that. I, I just think ultimately the next week's going to be great. I love the googly eyes. I love uh, people trying to guess what's going on. But it's just that. It's it's fun though. Uh, you know, you said LeBron's on another. You know who else is on another level? Vera Motors. And when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. And I promise you, Dookie Lang, there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines, the Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium in Pembroke Pines. Pat Riley spoke after the draft, and I think we were fortunate because uh, we had our photographer, David Silver, just kind of parked out there, and thankfully... He ended up getting it. Now, I I was reading Twitter to see what he said. Um, but when I got into the station the next day, I kind of watched it back to kind of get the, the feeling, the vibe of what he was saying. Because the general reaction among Heat fans to what he said was not good. I, I think people were um, a little disappointed. I think people always look to, to, to Pat Riley and feel like, all right, he's going to say something to make us feel better. He's going to make us feel like uh, July 1st is Christmas every single year. And when he said, I don't think there are going to be any midnight meetings this year, I could feel the jaws of Heat Nation collectively drop and and uh, just sadness kind of spread. But then when I, when I watched it back and I listened to him, there were a few things that I thought were really interesting and really stood out to me. And, and the one that, that I think I wanted to, to focus on here, because I don't think it was pointed out enough, he mentioned that he thought this was going to be a two-year run with this group, of t- this group of guys, the guys that he ultimately put together in 2017. And it, that included previous contracts like Dragic and Hassan Whiteside, what they did with Josh Richardson's contract, 
but also signing James Johnson, Dion Waiters, Kelly Olenek. He said at this news conference, yeah, we kind of looked at this as our plan B and a two-year run. He also mentioned what I thought was interesting. Once again, he pointed out that that 2010 coming together of the big three, that he started to clear the deck for that in 2006. And he said in 2010, and then in 2014 when LeBron left, that he was looking down the line, looking at Kevin Durant in 2016, and then Gordon Hayward in 2017. Didn't get those guys. But I think his ultimate point was, look, I know what this looks like right now. I'm looking ahead. And I I think, unfortunately, if you're a Heat fan, you're looking at 2019. I don't know how they get out of this cap situation then. But Andy Ellisberg knows this a lot better than any of us do. And I kind of got a feeling from listening to Riley that what he was telling Heat fans was, I've done this before. I've cleared the deck before. Listen to me. I know what I'm going to do with this thing. I've got a plan. I've got a vision. Stick with me for these two years. And then that whale is going to be there. And so I think that instead of, and he also said, look, right now I'm looking around, trying to make deals. I'm trying to see if any of these transformative players are available, but nobody's budging yet. If that comes available, yeah, we'll look at something. I think he's really looking at 2019, 2020, 21. He's seeing the crop of guys that are going to be available next year. I mean, Kyrie Irving, potentially LeBron if he goes one and one again. Uh, Paul George if he goes one and one. The list of free agents next year is is incredible. Then you're getting into a couple years down the line talking about uh, Anthony Davis in a few years, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I really think he's looking at this and saying the Warriors are going to do their thing for a few years now. Why am I going to go all in, consistently kick the can down the road as far as our cap situation goes, when all I really want are rings anyway? Stick with me here. I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. Press conference number one after the season would be if I told my soon-to-be five-year-old daughter, Sloan, would you like a pony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Press conference number two would be, you know what? They're out of ponies. How would you like some toothpaste? Okay, that's that's what it was. What what Pat Riley was doing is managing expectations, which is smart in business, but for fans who have become used to excellence and who have been used to Pat Riley promising parades down Biscayne Boulevard, even if he's right, even if ultimately he's got his eyes three moves ahead and those three moves are the way to get there and he doesn't want to sacrifice winning really big for being a little better in the immediate future even if all of that is correct what jumped out to me is when you listen to a pat riley news conference and they are events and they only happen a couple times a year he does not ordinarily lower expectations he does not normally rein you back in as someone who observes the heat he normally will will let's say the heat are underperforming he will express hey we expect more we can be better you listen to that and you're like all right they expect to be better this team wants to win or if you head into an offseason as a fan you're like i don't really think they're going to do anything he'll say listen we would give up anything for a transformative player everything's on the table Okay, and then a couple weeks later, it's like, well, about that table. That table's probably not going to happen this year. So I'm not saying that I expected anything from this offseason because I didn't. I think ultimately, I think they're probably going to return essentially a similar team. The questions that are yet to be answered are, will Dwayne Wade come back, which has nothing to do with Pat and everything to do with Dwayne? Will Udonis Haslam come back, which has to do with the cap and has to do with if he's going to get his minutes and, you know, what he and LeBron talk about in secret? And then are they going to keep Wayne Ellington, which actually is an important decision if you watch last year's team? Wayne was actually very important, but that's going to be a big situation. But we're not talking about superstars. I mean, I mean, these are the types of players we're talking about. And then number four is Hassan Whiteside. And can the Heat get rid of him now? It appears not. It appears that they're going to at least be stuck with him through next season, at which point he would be an expiring contract. And so for the Heat fans who are thinking, the minute that Kawhi, the Kawhi stuff started, 
You got all Kawhi is coming to Miami Beach. I saw him on Chipotle. That's it. Kawhi to Miami. Give up everyone. But it doesn't work like that. Or LeBron, Kawhi, those names are great. But I think Pat Riley kind of heard the noise and he heard the excitement and he wanted to be like, listen, that's 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 not going to happen. But I have a plan. Because if nothing happens and Riley doesn't say that, hey, I have a bigger plan, then fans are just going to go, well, nothing happened. But if Riley lowers expectations and says, hey, guys, I'm playing the long game here. There's some great free agents coming up. I have big plans. We're going to have plenty of parades. Just relax. Wait out the Warriors. If he says that, if the Heat do nothing this summer, other than those few minor things I talked about, you know, Udonis and Wade and Ellington and all those, those sorts of moves, if he does nothing, then you'll come back and go, well, you know, he's got a long-term plan. And Will will come back and say, you know, he's got a long-term plan. So he's planting the seeds. He's already laid, it's, it's like a Jedi mind trick. He's already laid the foundation where if they swing and miss this summer, they meant to. Which, which to me is smart. Pat, no, listen, Pat Riley's a lot smarter than I will ever be. It's smart, but it's but, not Riley-esque. It's but not it's, but it's, to. To, but it's totally out of character. Yeah. I am normally emboldened by a Pat Riley yes. news conference. I went, after this news conference, I was reading the quotes. I watched Pat Riley talk. I was like, whoa, they're not going to do anything this summer. Yeah. And it's just... It's just weird because if you're going to say this, why did he say what he said right after the season? Because right after the season, I went, all right, transformative player. Everything's on the table. Here comes Pat. He's rolling up his sleeves. He's going to be wheeling and dealing. And like three weeks later, he's like, I got nothing, man. I, I don't even think I'm going to get a meeting at midnight. Well, let's look at the discrepancies, right? So let's go back to, to what he said to me, because I think this is a really good point. Let's let's point out the two differences, which is why I think people were disappointed in what they heard. I was. Transformative player, right? And I think even then, he knew that via free agency, it was kind of a long shot. Um, but but I thought he sounded more optimistic then at the end of the he season. He sounded like Dave Wanstead. Like it's a it's not a sin to punt. That's that's essentially right. That was what that was why Dolph fans hated Dave Wanstead because right. he said, you know, hey, if we maintain field position and uh, you know Tony Boa, that's my Dave Wanstead. That's by a the great way. Dave Wanstead yeah. impression. If we, you know, as long as we maintain field position and uh, you know you, you don't turn the ball over, you're going to win a lot of games. You know, and that's not Pat Riley. This is the discrepancy that got me. He talked about the log jam of what he called good to great players at the end of the season then on Thursday night into Friday morning after the draft he says well this is part of a two-year run so if that log jam is a problem that would kind of insinuate that they're going to look to move some of those guys to make it no longer a log jam two-year plan would then insinuate that no this is kind of what we're rolling with what I think happened I think they've made calls about trades we had the report about justice winslow that they denied but then pat riley has also said that nobody is off the table when it comes i think they have gauged interest in just about everyone and i don't think they like what they got in return i i think that they overvalued what they would be able to get and, and i'm not saying this isn't even a situation where you say all right trade trade hassan whiteside for a protected second round pick I don't think that Hassan Whiteside's contract right now is viewed as an asset. I think it's viewed as a liability. I agree. And I think you may have other guys who and are... Atti- wait, an attitude problem at a position that's not important, that's making $98 million and is not expiring? What's not to love? Yeah, and, and I know, it, look, that, that's not any great revelation to diehard Heat fans that, that the contract right now is a liability, but I think the Heat have too many liabilities. We talk about assets, right? Assets is the buzzword that you hear when you're talking about draft picks and uh, young, good players on team-friendly contracts. I think right now the Heat have a lot more money tied up in liabilities than they do in assets. Tyler, so Tyler Johnson, why? I mean... Yeah, if Tyler Johnson were playing for the Brooklyn Nets, God bless Tyler. I like Tyler, but $19 million for Tyler is too much money considering they have four Tylers. They'd be in a lot better shape. I mean, they have four guys who play his position. So I I think that Riley, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, I think Riley rolled the dice on a number of these guys that they would be able to develop them to where those contracts would still be viewed as assets rather than liabilities. Problem is, it hasn't turned out like that. So when they started calling teams around the league... 
I'm sure they would love to unload some of these contracts, but if you're going to get rid of a liability, you either have to take on another liability or you have to attach an asset to it. So you'd either have to trade away, for instance, a 2019 first-round pick along with Whiteside to entice the team to take on his contract or Tyler Johnson, whatever it happens, or you may have to attach a Justice Winslow to a Hassan Whiteside just to get rid of that contract. And I, I think that between the time, and this is just purely speculative, but I think between the time of that State of the Heat news conference immediately after the season and post-draft, they did not like what they heard from other teams. And I think that that caused them to kind of take a step back and say, all right, original plan was two years with these guys. After the season, we would have liked to move some of them, but eh, I don't think that's going to happen. So let's go back to plan, plan A of plan B, which was let's just ride this out for a couple of years until free agency kicks in 2019. Why why are they playing with everyone's feelings? Well, I and I don't think it's so much that. I, I mean because I, mean, cause I, I left that state of the heat and I think everybody left that state of the heat address thinking like okay, like it like it the thing about the thing about the last two off seasons and you alluded to it is they struck out on Durant and they struck out on Gordon Hayward. But they got a meeting with Kevin Durant. They got a meeting with Gordon Hayward. They were in the room. They were in the discussion. They were in the hunt. The 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 capitulation that I heard in Pat Riley's voice in the most recent news conference makes me think they're not getting in the room with these guys. I I I, I was under the impression that no matter what, Pat's getting a meeting with LeBron. Doesn't mean LeBron's coming here, but Pat's going to get a meeting with him. The way he sounded, this is not, you know, this is not sourced information here. This is my interpretation of what I heard. But the way it sounded sure sounded like he'd been sniffing around and these guys are not going to be meeting with him this year. And that would be that would be, you know, another season of 40 something wins somewhere between four, five, six, seven in the east depending on what happens in a, either a first or second round exit with the second round of the playoffs being the ultimate ceiling of a team, which is fine, but is certainly not the standard that was set over the last 15 years by the Heat. And I think Pat Riley would tell you that. I don't think it's a matter, though, of playing with people's emotions. I think, it's at least not intentionally, I think they absolutely felt after the end of the season, they were going to be able to move some of these guys and at least start to clear the deck and at least clear out that log jam to let other guys play. Because I think part of the problem right now with this team is that because you have that log jam, you're not able to play Justice Winslow as much in situations that will cause him to improve on his weaknesses because you're just putting him in situations where he will thrive. Now, that's a coach's job, and you got to work with what you've got. But part of development as a player is improving on your weaknesses, and and a lot of these guys have things that Josh Richardson needs to become a better ball handler, has been for a while. Uh, Justice Winslow needs to become a better shooter. Bam Adebayo needs to improve his overall offensive game. It's hard to do that when you have a lot of other guys who can perform those roles a lot better, and you're trying to win every ball game. So I think what they discovered between the end of the season and this post-draft news conference was nobody wants what they have, at least not enough to be able to strike a deal that would be good for the team if their ultimate goal is to clear the deck. And and I think one thing you got to remember about Pat Riley, too, and, and I, I, I think there's a, there's a real conflict between... See, personally, I, Miami is a sports town that thrives on stars just in general it's a celebrity town it is also a celebrity sports town so personally I would blow up the entire roster just to bring in a Kawhi Leonard I'd blow up the roster just on the off chance that maybe Bradley Beal comes here and come turns into a a star it starts to grow even more than he but Pat Riley doesn't so much care about getting one star here that fans can kind of uh, hold on to for the future. Pat Riley cares about rings. That is, Do you think Pat Riley was happy in 2011? I think he was happy in 2014. Do you think he was happy winning the Eastern Conference and then losing in the NBA? I think he was miserable losing in the NBA well, he, Finals. He's the one who coined the phrase, winning in misery. So, so yeah. I, I, I think he looks Or at, he stole it and then, <laughs> and, then and then attributed it to himself. That's right. So and I, then, like, like, someone, like, someone privately texted him, there's winning and there's misery, and then he went and tweeted it. 
their private text. Uh, which, by the way, I loved his uh, him talking about his his own personal Twitter account. Yeah. Which uh, I think the Sun Sentinel did a story in which they they blurred out the uh, they they showed screen grabs of the actual Twitter account and they blurred it out. Um, it's one of the great mysteries. By the w- way, which of the many burner accounts is Pat Riley? No, it's it's not so much a burner. I love how he ex- he described it as well. He he says uh, I I just follow all you guys and I get alerts. I love that he said, I, I don't like to, I can't spend my life arguing with people I don't even know. I th- I, amen. I, I, th- I think I think he nailed down Twitter. I mean, I think that's an excellent usage to kind of find out what's out there. And by the way, speaking, and I think because of the smoke around Justice Winslow, I think that's why they felt the need to say, hey, justice wasn't there. But when you talk about assets, you talk about liabilities. I found it very interesting that justice was considered the asset that could be tradable, right? Because you weren't hearing rumors about Hassan Whiteside being on the table and you weren't hearing rumors about Tyler Johnson being on the table and you weren't hearing rumors, you know, about Dion Waiters being on the table. The rumors were about Justice Winslow. And so that indicates to me that people around the league see in Justice Winslow what I think the Heat see, which is, he may not have hit his ceiling. He may have. The way he played in the playoffs may be as good as he's going to get, or he could be re- really, really, really good. So I, I don't think he took it that way, though. I, my guess is when Justice Winslow heard that he was being shopped around on draft night, that's probably upsetting for him, I would imagine. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in here, you know, digging in, building my roots, you know, building my career, and they're going to just get rid of me for a conditional second round pick or, you know, a, a late first round pick. Like I, I'm, I'm a top NBA type talent, you know? So I, I think that was probably a little ego check for him. And I think that's why they might've tried to put out that fire. But um, by the way, the problem with Winslow is that he's only got one year left on his contract. Right. And, and unlike a guy like you know, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, Tyler Johnson, uh, guys whose contracts they could potentially want to try to move, uh, the numbers that they're tied to with those guys, it's for too long of a period of time. With Winslow, because of his contract situation and because he is an ascending player, you'd rather have the more years on that contract. So I think that's why his value is less than it would be if they were trying to trade him last year if he had been coming off a a playoff performance like this. Um, Just putting a bow on this thing, though, I, I think that Pat Riley, as much as he loves his stars, he loves his rings a lot more. I think he knows ain't nobody winning a ring in this league until Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green are not putting on the same uniform. And I, I think he's kind of clearing the deck for a, a time when either one of those guys leaves or one of those guys is no longer in their prime and he wants to make a run at, at one last run. He's 73. And I think, look, look, look two, three years down the, the line. The, the Warriors might be good for another six years. Well, I, I think what, what Riley has done, though, I, I, I don't I don't plan on I, I don't think he's planning on sticking around for six years. But I think that his ultimate goal is even if he doesn't leave with one more ring, I think he wants to leave the franchise in a state where they can get one more ring. I think he feels really good about the guys that he's got in place with Spolstra, with Battier, obviously with Ellisberg. I think he feels like if he can leave this team with, let's just say hypothetically he finds a way to pull in a, a Giannis and Anthony Davis uh, in, a, in a few years, and he can leave that group to Spo, I think he would happily ride off into the sunset and watch that team from afar and, and so be he, able to So wait, it. he's going to sit here and watch Tyler Johnson get knocked out in the first round. Then fast forward four years from now, they're going to bring in Giannis and Anthony Davis, and he's going to sit in Sonoma sipping on wine and watching it on League Pass? Come I, on. I think, right, no way. I, if, they get, if they get that level of talent, that dude will... will you think he'll coach. You think he'll come he'll, he, will, he will stand Van Gundy, whoever the heck is coaching, and he will coach that team. There is no... He he has admitted it. Like he 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 can't quit basketball. So he if he's gonna if he's gonna ride through this era 
where they're hamstrung by a cap situation, they have some bad contracts, the Warriors are dominating, there's a high ceiling. If in a few years they get some transformative players, he's going to be transforming himself right back to his office (laughs) and adding to his ring collection. He is not the type who's going to set it up for somebody else to take glory. Now, after the third parade with the Giannis-Anthony Davis fake team that we have five years from now... Maybe at that point he'd go, all right, you know what? I have my 14th ring. I'm 80 years old. Fine. But if you think he's missing the glory, you don't know Pat Riley. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Speaking of glory, Vera Motors. You want to ride off into the sunset. You want to ride off into glory with a beautiful new car. Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on an automobile, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you. No business in Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. Vera family has been servicing South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium in Pembroke Pines. I love this week. I love looking forward. I love studying Twitter. I love the googly eyes, watching where guys are working out. Carmelo Anthony's uh, wearing a sweatshirt somewhere. Can we talk right about now. the googly eyes for a second, though? Yeah, I love them. It's fun, but it's not really like like I've seen reporters do that. Like as a report, I don't think like ooga eyes is exactly like. I, I feel you should add more to it than like that's like when someone like quote tweets quote tweets this. Like, can you give me a little more than this? Or googly eyes, or like I feel if you're gonna quote tweet something on Twitter, like there should be a little more to your contribution than just like googly eyes. I, I just, quote I quote tweeted your tweet about LeBron with googly eyes the other day. Did you? Yeah. Thank you. You just said that wasn't good enough. I mean, I would like you to have said more in general, but anytime but, if but, it listen, all the rules are different when it applies to at Dookie Lang. That's a totally different <laughs> any sort of interaction is acceptable. I'm talking about me as a reader. Oh, okay. In in my capacity as a reader, when when you know, if let's say it's the middle of a game and you know, Wayne Ellington hits his sixth three pointer and they say and, and the heat uh, you know, official Twitter says, like, this is the most three-pointers Wayne Ellington's ever had in a half. And some heat writer quote tweets, eyeball emoji. I'm like, some strong work right there. No, that's, it means something completely different. All right, look, let's close this out with... Arguing kind of about a, emojis. No, let's close <laughs> this out with a guide to following NBA free agency, trade talk, whatever. If you're going to... If you're getting into this for the first time, or if you're like Dookie Lying and you don't like fun and you don't like googly eyes, I'm going to help you like googly eyes. Googly eyes means, oh, look. It does not mean... Here is a picture. I can report that LeBron James is signing with the Seattle Supersonics. <laughs> who knew Dwayne Wade will soon be on I, right? I just wanted to bring up Seattle. No, I understand. Good so for Dwayne if, if he you wants see, to own If Seattle. you see source, if you see sources. Look, yeah, by the way, the, my only guide is look for the blue check mark. okay? That's look for a blue. I, I don't happen to have one. Clay has one. Will has one. But This is a source of, of anger for you. Source of it's a source of, 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 of humility and recognition. You know, know your role, but uh, no. Look for the blue check marks. So if 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 there's a you know Woj, I'm not going to try to pronounce his full last name because I'll butcher it. From ESPN, make sure it's real Woj with a blue check mark. If you're if you're talking about any of the reporters out there, blue check mark because this is the a time of disinformation. What I think is so interesting is that the NFL season is less than a month away, and NBA offseason crushes it just crushes it what always does i I mean it it wasn't like that it wasn't like that 10 years ago no 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 and this is this this is a lebron thing i I mean this is ever since the big three came together in 2010 this has become a monstrous but the nba has been brilliant in turning in turning their league into a year-round league the nfl used to do that if we were doing a podcast and instead of it being 2018 it was 2008 right now we would be talking about the dolphins offensive line problems and how what and what's gonna what's gonna happen next month and you know how will Jawan james adjust and what about laramie tunsil and we don't do that these days not just you and me the general consensus because the nba and interest in i don't think this is just like hey you me and will really like no, no, no basketball. No. This is fans, people who come up to you. They ask, like, "Hey, what's yeah. going to happen with LeBron? What's going to happen with the Heat? What's going to happen with Kawhi?" It's just amazing what a juggernaut 
the NBA offseason has become. And I think that's a credit to the league. I think it's a credit to the star power. I think it's a credit to the growth of the game. I think the fact that we're talking about a team who you know, made the playoffs and lost in the first round and we're dreaming of big names coming here, they're doing the same thing at podcasts in Cleveland. They're it's doing true. the same thing in podcasts in Philly. They're doing the same thing in Boston. They're doing it in Sacramento. They're doing it all around the league. So there's this sort of optimism, almost like opening day, the eternal optimism of like, maybe this is our year that we land the superstar that everybody across the league has. And it all focuses around free agency and it's oh so close. See, I would say this is like a sports fan's version of The Bachelor, except I already watched The Bachelor. So my version of The Bachelor is The Bachelor. I really do think that you should do a podcast about The Bachelor. Like you could, you and your wife could do it. Just bring her in here, and you guys could just like talk about the episode, like after after the final rose. You know, this is a great. Well, after that's already a thing. No, after after the final after, rose. After after the see, final they do rose. after right. the final right. rose. You do after, and you guys just break it down okay. because the passion with which you speak of the Bachelor. I don't have a show that I watch that I feel, and you know. Good company, man, by the way, picking an ABC product. Good on you. <laughs> but uh, I don't have a show. Like, there are shows I like. I, I I can name many of them. But there's not a show that I... Do, do I want to say obsess? Like, what I don't I understand... Don't why don't you... Tw- I wish you would tweet. Like, The Bachelor has done this thing yeah. now where culturally, for some reason, it's become cool. Like, there are sports writers, and it's become like... it's It's gone to that point where if you did that because you really love the show... People would dig it. Well, this is, I like The Bachelor better than The Bachelorette because I like watching 25 women better. I mean, that's just, that's me. I I mean, and and my wife is okay with that. She loves the drama and all that too surrounding it. Um, The reason why I don't do Twitter with it is because we never watch it live. We always have to watch on DVR because we got to put the kids to bed. And um, so it's. Yeah, I guess I'd be like if I were live tweeting The Sopranos. Right, uh, It might not feel relevant. What happened to that last episode? It was crazy. They were in the diner, and the next thing you know, Don't Stop Leaving's playing, and whoa. Yeah. So I Did you just like ruin show. the end of The Sopranos? I mean, <laughs> they're not making any sequels. God rest James Gandolfini, but yeah. You had to end it like that, right? I love James Gandolfini. He was, that guy was a talent. He won't be signing with the Heat. The Miami Sports Pod. This is how we close it out. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the week leading up to NBA free agency. Enjoy the soap opera. Enjoy the googly eyes. Go watch old episodes of The Sopranos.